Ruth 3, 1 through 18. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you are? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lays. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he will not, if he is not willing to redeem you, then, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lay down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before anyone could recognize her. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment that you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest but we'll settle the matter today. Thank you, Michelle. I know that's a long passage of scripture to read, but it occurs to me sometimes that for some of us, that may be the most scripture that we read the whole week. And so I'm not ashamed to have you read the whole chapter in service. I, I really believe in the power of the spoken aloud word of God in our lives. Now, we've been talking about the book of Ruth, and I've called it the romance of redemption. That is because the word redeem, redeemer, 
and redemption occurs 23 times in this story. It is a romance, and, and it's an amazing story, uh, but it's also about redemption and specifically the kinsman redeemer. Now, I've said of the four chapters in the book of Ruth that each chapter is like an act in a play. It's a dramatic event, a dramatic story. Act one is chapter one, and that is a time to weep. And then last week we talked about act, uh, act number two, Ruth chapter two, a time to work. We're looking today at chapter three that Michelle read to us, a time to trust, a time to trust. Now, I, I want you to think about Naomi's trust how it had been restored. I mentioned last week in the message that ever since Boaz came into the lives of Naomi and Ruth, Naomi has been different. Her trust has been restored. And we see that especially in the chapter today. Um, I, I have to say about that, that Jesus wants to change your attitude. Some of us indeed need a change of heart and a change of attitude, a change of life. And Jesus wants to change your life. I like the video that Aaron showed us. Uh, how sad that at the end, the young lady walks away because she cannot fully trust the Lord. That's a sermon in itself. We might as well have had an invitation at that moment. Uh, because that was a powerful sermon just in the video. Listen, just like he changed Naomi's attitude, he wants to change our attitude. I want you to notice how her trust is restored or the demonstration of the change that is in her. Um, first of all, notice her desire for Ruth. One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter... Now, she is not. Naomi is the daughter-in-law. I already said to you in the very first chapter that obviously Naomi was a great mother-in-law because both daughters-in-law wanted to accompany her back to Bethlehem, back to Israel. They loved their mother-in-law. Would that everyone loved their mother-in-law. That's all I'm going to say. She called her daughter, and she desired the best for her. She said, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. That word home has the idea of a place of rest, a place of permanence. Ruth was, was a young lady, Naomi, much older, old enough to be her mother, and she realized if she's dependent upon me, then she is, the time is coming that I'm going to die and she will not be cared for. I need to find a husband for her. I need to find a place of permanence and it needs to be a place where she will be well provided for. Listen, prior to this, Naomi has been thinking of Naomi. She has talked about how God has deserted her, how He has been unkind to her. Now, instead of thinking of herself, 
she's thinking of Ruth and her needs and her benefit. And it is when we serve others rather than thinking of ourselves that we receive the greatest joy and the greatest satisfaction. Our culture says take care of number one. Psychologists say you have to learn to love yourself before you can love anyone else. That is not biblical. We naturally love ourselves even if we don't like what we look like, even if we don't like our giftedness or lack thereof, we always think somebody else is better. We may not like ourselves, but we love ourselves whether we're willing to admit it or not. And it is when we get our eyes off of ourselves and begin to think of others, to love God and to love others as we already love ourselves. And when we serve others, we reach the greatest joy and the greatest satisfaction. I want you to notice not only her desire for Ruth, her daughter-in-law, but her plan for redemption. It's not just a plan to find a husband. Not just any husband would do. It needed to be a kinsman redeemer. And she says, now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight we will be winnowing barley in the threshing He will be winnowing barley in the threshing floor. This concept, he's a relative. He's not just an eligible man. Notice I did not say an eligible bachelor. It may shock you to hear that Boaz could have been married already. I thought I would at least hear a groan somewhere. This is the Old Testament. There is nothing in the law of that day or in the culture of that day that says Boaz could not have already been married when he married Ruth. We don't know. And to make it otherwise is imposing our own culture and our own standards and New Testament standards onto the Old Testament. But he was a relative who could redeem Ruth and Naomi and redeem the property that they owned. The principle of the kinsman redeemer. By the way, Jesus Christ is our kinsman redeemer. That will be my sermon for the evening, and that commercial won't cost you anything extra this morning. She says to her, wash and put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes, then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you were there until he's finished eating and drinking. By the way, it occurred to me when I was reading that, that when we are dating, we put on our best outfits and our best behavior. Why don't we keep doing that after we get married? <laughs> By the way, that's not my notes, but that will be the most remembered quote of the entire day. 
Don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Now, I know that sounds shocking, but I need you to understand that Naomi is telling Ruth, this is how it's done in our culture. The one who needs to be redeemed has the right to propose marriage to the Redeemer and to ask the kinsman Redeemer to redeem them. In fact, Grant, you know that there is a part of that, that if he refuses, then she takes the shoe off and I started to say hits him with the shoe, but, but tosses the shoe to him and that's to indicate that he's not willing to follow the law and do what the law of Moses, the law of the Old Testament, the law of God, what it says to do. Because of this whole thing, there I've heard sermons preached about what a loose woman she was. No, absolutely not. Listen, Naomi cares for Ruth, and she is giving her the best advice that she will ever get. You know, it makes me think, a lot of parents worry about their children's health, education, wealth, and prosperity, but are prone to ignore, totally ignore, their redemption, that is, the saving of their souls. I am very proud of many of the parents in our congregation who spend time driving distances, bringing their children to church, who take time out of other events to make sure that their children are here. Some of you grew up under that care. And may I challenge you, when you have children of your own, you make sure that they have the time to hear the Word of God, and they need to hear it from you as well, that you care about the souls of your children. And children, may I say to you, listen to your parents. Listen to your parents' advice when they are helping you to choose who you will date and who you will marry. Parents, you need to be involved in that. Like my old friend who's with the Lord now, Wayne Harper. When Wayne, when his daughters, and he only had daughters, when they started dating, the rule was the, the young lad had to come into the house and introduce himself to the father before they went on the date. Of course, when they came in, they found Wayne sitting on the couch with a 12-gauge shotgun across his lap. I mean, this is serious business, okay? This is serious business, and parents, you need to have a hand in this. I want you to notice not only her plan for redemption, that she sent Ruth in a culturally appropriate way to offer herself in marriage to Boaz. And again, there was nothing illicit, there was nothing sinful, this was the culture in which they lived. By the way, it, it occurred to me, I never wrote this down, but I need to say to you, understand cultures are different, and culture is changing all the time. Some of you say, it wasn't like that when I was a kid. No, 
and it will never be again the way it was when you were a kid. Culture is always changing. And you have to deal with culture as it is. It's a lesson I learned living in Africa. It's a lesson, Brendan, I've learned in setting up housekeeping in a lot of different countries. It doesn't matter that the culture is not what you're comfortable with. Is it in line with the Scriptures? If so, just because it's different does not make it wrong. Deal with your children in the culture that you now live, in which you now live. Then, I want you to notice Naomi's trust in Boaz. She said to her, When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. She trusted Boaz. Don, those were some strange instructions. But Naomi trusted Boaz, sharing that Boaz would not take advantage of her. Yeah, where's Boaz today? In case you didn't hear that. Sharon's been saying to me for three weeks now, when are you going to find me a Boaz? Boaz could be trusted. Boaz had a reputation, a good reputation, and Naomi knew that Ruth could do what was culturally appropriate, and Boaz was an honorable man, and he would not abuse the privilege. He would not take advantage of Ruth. I realize that some of you have been hurt in the past. You've been disappointed. Maybe doubt about what God's doing in your own life has clouded your thinking. And like the young lady in the video, unless I can see you, Lord, doing what you're doing, I am not going to trust you. And it's time, my friend. It's time for your trust to be restored. It's time for you to trust God again. Some of you have been hurt in church. And you're afraid to trust God again. It's time for your trust in God and in the church and your fellow believers. It's time for your trust to be restored. It's time to trust again. Well, we've talked about Naomi's trust. What about Ruth's courageous trust? You think it took some trust to do what Naomi said? First of all, she trusted Naomi. She said, I will do whatever you say. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything. I should have highlighted that word. She did everything Jot and tittle, down to the letter, she did everything that her mother-in-law told her to do. Children, can I repeat again? You need to listen to your parents. Some of you are children of parents, and you are not we lads and lassies. You are grown children. Don't ever write off the advice that your parents give you. Now, I know what it's like to have grown children. And it thrills me when they ask dad's advice. Now, Grant, that happens less and less as they get older and older. Nevertheless, 
Some of us have walked this earth a lot of miles and a lot of days, and our children need to continue to listen. Yes, my grown children will make their own decisions, but in asking advice in a multitude of counselors, the Bible says there is wisdom. I don't think you ever quit taking the advice, or at least listening to the advice of your parents. And Ruth did everything exactly as she was told. You realize Ruth, or maybe I should say, I want you to remember that Ruth was not a Jew. She was a foreigner living in a different culture. She might not have known, Roger, what the culture was, but Naomi did. And so she was willing to trust Naomi, I believe. I think that means, Keith, that she believed that Naomi wanted her best, wanted the best for Ruth, and that she had wisdom to know what was culturally appropriate. And she listened, she did what she was told. Not only that, but Ruth trusted Boaz. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking, was in good spirits. By the way, that does not mean drunk. Don't take the wrong idea. It just means that he was happy, that he thought things were good. That, the original language means that and not. There was a way to say that he was in happy spirits because he'd been drinking. That's not it at all. He'd had a good harvest. He's there threshing the barley. And he's very satisfied with what's been going on. And he's going to sleep well that night, he thinks. When he went over at the far end of the grain pile, Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. By the way, the culture, what is being explained there, Jacob, is she didn't lay on his feet. She uncovered his feet and lay down at the foot of whatever pallet or whatever he had that he, with which he was covered. He, she lay at the, what would have been the bottom of his sleeping place. She didn't lay on his feet or any touch, she didn't touch him in any way. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. That's called the Lord. You ask me, where are the Boaz? They haven't been startled by God yet. Just keep praying. And I can say that to many of you. Some of you are looking, some of you are praying, and I believe that God will answer your prayer. He may not answer it the way you wish. In this case, he startled the man in his sleep so that he, wake, he woke up, he turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. And he said, who are you? He was shocked. By the way, uh, I was reading about this verse, and I, I can't remember. I, I think it was probably Warren Wearsby said, Adam went to sleep and woke up married. <laughs> Jacob went to sleep and woke up to find he had married the wrong sister. Boaz went to sleep, and his next wife... His wife was asleep at his feet. Who are you? 
he asked. I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment. That actually is literally, spread your wing over me. But that is what he did. By the way, it's already said in the first chapter that she has come under the wing of Jehovah God. Now she's asking her kinsman redeemer to put his wings over her, that she might come. It's, it's a proposal of marriage that's going on here. Since you are a guardian redeemer of our family, she trusted Boaz enough to be forward enough to propose to him. I'll talk in a minute about why he never proposed to her. But she proposed to him. Listen, never date and do not marry someone you do not trust and cannot respect. She trusted and respected Boaz. He was a respectable man. Then I want you to notice finally the word that every person in the crowd always listens for when the preacher says, finally. By the way, you know that really doesn't mean anything. I, I hope you do understand that. I want you to notice finally, Boaz's covenant of trust. First of all, he blessed her. The Lord bless you, my daughter. The Lord. That is Yahweh. That is, when it's in all caps, that's Jehovah God. That is the special name of God Almighty, the Lord. Jehovah bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed me earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. Now, he blesses her in the name of the Lord. I, I mentioned last week that we miss out on the power of a blessing. And I read the Old Testament so much, Liz, that I got to where when I was doing my mentoring with missionaries and pastors and their wives, instead of praying at the end, I would pray a blessing on them. May I recommend that to you? In fact, that term blessing is different than we understand it. I grew up praying, Lord, bless the food to the nourishment of our body. And I had to read, walking, sitting at the feet of Rabbi Jesus, to find out that when they blessed the food, they didn't bless the food, they blessed God. Blessed is the God who gives us our daily bread. That's what it means. And so, the Lord bless you is more likely, may the Lord God be blessed because of you and what you've done. Gratitude to God. And then he talks about, you've not chased after the younger men. Okay, so why didn't, why didn't Boaz propose? For one thing, I hope you've picked up on the fact he is a much older man than the others who might be eligible to marry. He's a lot older. That's why three times he calls her daughter. He is probably the same age of Elimelech, her father-in-law, who died. He's an older man, 
Number one. Number two, he probably does not think that she would be interested in marrying an old guy like him. And number three, we'll find out in a minute that he's not the closest relative. There is another relative who can redeem her who is a closer relationship than Boaz to Ruth and to Naomi. He blessed her. He pronounced a blessing on her. And he promised to marry her. And now, again, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do all for you all that you ask. I want you to understand that marriage is a covenant made before God by two people. That's why the Bible talks about that God hates divorce. That is a breaking of a covenant. And for those of you who are married under the sound of my voice, I want you to remember that it is God who performs the ceremony. Now, at the wedding last night, the preacher stood and he read the ceremony. He handed the rings and there were promises made. And, the, and Jesus said, What God has therefore joined together, let not man put asunder. That means that it's God who ratifies the covenant. And it is God who performs the ceremony in his own eyes. He promised to marry her, but it was a promise with a condition. Talk about that in a minute. He commended her character. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. I preached a series one year ago about this time uh, about shady ladies. And it's based, it's the ladies who are named in Matthew in the lineage of Jesus. And too often, I've heard it said that those were women of ill repute. Absolutely not. That is not the case for all of them. Ruth was known. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. By the way, that term is probably one that some of us as men would not like. It carries the weight of someone, of a woman, who is of strong character and who could make it on their own. We are sometimes threatened by such women. That's the kind of woman that Ruth was. And Boaz commended her for that. But he also acted with integrity. He said, although... He said, I'll marry you, but on one condition. It is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, but there's another who's more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, kinsman redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as Jehovah lives, I will do it, lie here till morning. And he protected her reputation. So she laid his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. It is his plan to redeem her. 
And He does not want anyone to interfere with that. He does not want anyone to take the wrong idea of what she is and what she has done. He protects her reputations. Not my notes either, but young men, look at me. You need to be sure that in your dating and in your courting, you protect the reputation of the girls that you date. You hear me? It is important that you guard their reputation. So she laid his feet till morning, but got up. They must not know that a woman has been here. He sealed the covenant with a gift. Charles, that's, we talk about the covenants. Covenants are generally sealed with a gift. And what he did, he said, bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured six measures of barley. Grant, that's more than twice as much and maybe four times as much that in the previous chapter she gained by gleaning. And that's why it says, and placed the bundle, uh, I think Michelle read it, and laid it upon her. It was all she could carry. He's still generous. Then he went back to town. He has sealed the covenant. Here's a gift. Do not go home empty-handed. Now, I know you would prefer a ring on the finger, an engagement ring, but in a land that has just experienced famine and is just getting over it, believe me, six measures of barley is a good engagement present. And it is, a, it is something that seals the promise. By the way, it's not in your notes, but there's a postscript, P.S., to this whole thing. Something added on. Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi, and asked, How did it go, my daughter? That's just about every translation says it that way. But it is literally, Who are you, my daughter? Somebody said, Oh, it was so dark when she got home that he, she, Naomi didn't recognize her. Or No. What, he's, what she's saying is, Who are you? Are you Mrs. Boaz yet? Who are you? She's saying, have you been redeemed? That's why she explained, He gave me something to seal the covenant, but I am not yet redeemed. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Have you been redeemed? That's a searching question. Who are you? Understand, Ruth was a foreigner. She should have had no part in Jehovah God and the nation of Israel. But God has worked in her life and she is about to be someone she could never otherwise be. She will be redeemed. Who are you? I mean, who are you really? And have you been redeemed? I want to tell you, God wants to redeem you. He wants to change your life. He wants to change your perception of who you are. Because you are who He says you are. Not what anybody else says. You are what God says you are. Jesus Christ is your Redeemer. He died for your sins. 
He suffered so that you can be set free. He wants to redeem you right now. Listen, if you've never come to Christ for salvation, you've never admitted to Him, I'm lost, I'm a sinner, and ask Him for forgiveness, and ask Him to save you, you need to be redeemed. He will give you a hope, and He will give you a future if you'll come to Him and trust in Him today.